Ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome to today's episode of the Tuned In podcast. My guest today is a mental health and well-being coach, a creative mindfulness practitioner and a meditation teacher. Through her own personal experience with depression and anxiety, my guest was led towards the world of mindfulness. After seeking help from mental health services and counsellors, she decided that she wanted to give something back in return. Today's conversation tells the story of a beautiful human who is so clearly passionate about mindfulness. The energy and dedication they bring to their work is a true inspiration. This episode is dedicated to anyone who is curious about mindfulness and questioning where to start. This is for the teachers who would love to see mindfulness implemented into their school and for the parents who want to help bring calm to their child's anxious mind. Let this episode act as a guiding light for you. Let it be the encouragement for you to grow your curiosity and let it be the start to something new. So I would like to introduce today's guest, Laura Keenan. So it is another day, another guest, another conversation, and I might say this for the majority of the conversations, but I mean them, that I am very excited for today's conversation. And the reason being, it's two mindfulness teachers chatting, chatting away about mindfulness, uh, but in particular, the area that my guest today, that she delves into, that's what I'm looking forward to, just talking about mindfulness in children. But we're just going to allow the conversation to flow. So, Laura Keenan, you are so welcome to the Tuned In podcast. Thank you very much, Celine. Thanks for having me. I think, and I don't know, if, obviously, if this is true for everyone, that there's in this area of work, there tends to be a story behind it. Why we do the work that we do. Is there a story for you? Absolutely, Celine, yes. Um, sort of got into the mindfulness and the coaching um, through my own personal experiences. Um, in 2016, um, I was suffering quite badly with depression and anxiety. And um, I had kind of contacted mental health teams and had seen counsellors. And um, I was just, I didn't know where to turn. And then after I had been with my sessions and attended all my sessions and done, all the work on myself I thought I would love to give something back to people and um, you know being able to help just give something back to people and um, that was just when I decided okay I'm going to start practicing mindfulness for myself so I did do it got into a routine of practicing it every day doing my morning meditation my evening meditation um, and then trying during the day obviously to practice informally as well but it really came about um, during COVID to be honest um, a lot of us were working from home and different things and not going out doing the normal things that we were doing. And um, I started, I think, January 2020. So it was really, really the start of COVID. I signed up to do a mental health and wellbeing coaching diploma with Kingstown College in Dublin. So we met up one day a week in a hotel in Dundalk. And it was great because there's people from everywhere came. And we met up and done our coaching course and we had lunch together and it was just like a me day getting out of the house and it was just fabulous and I loved it so much. And then March came and we were sitting in the class one day, I think it was nearly around St. Patrick's Day and the tutor just says, um, you all have to go home 
because it was just announced on the news that everybody had to go and collect their kids from school because they were closing down and all kids had to go home. So that was it. That was the end of our face-to-face um, course. And I was quite sad at that because um, I felt like I was, I missed out then, you know, with meeting up with the people and we did do it online, but it wasn't the same. The camaraderie and all wasn't there and getting meat to the crack and having the lunch together and you know, building friendships and relationships. And I find it very hard that way. But it continued on with it anyway. We done it online and then we all graduated, but obviously no official ceremony because of COVID, which is actually happening now in March. Oh this year goodness. we're going to graduate in Dublin. So I'm looking forward to that. So we'll get to meet everybody from my class again, which is great. So we haven't seen anybody in a couple of years. That's amazing. Really looking forward to that. So then I was in the middle of doing that course. And then my mindfulness practice obviously was still happening. And um, I decided I'm going to do a mindfulness teacher training course. Um, I really love it. And I think I would love to be able to teach other people how, how to bring mindfulness into their own lives. So I started that in October 2020. i done that. And I absolutely loved it. And so then I was sort of doing the coaching and the mindfulness. And I love the idea of bringing mindfulness into the coaching session as well to help you know, my clients. And I really loved that. But everything was online. And I personally loved doing the coaching one-to-one. Somebody sitting in front of me, you know, getting the, you know, the camaraderie with them, you know, building up the relationship and being able to see them. I know you're on screen, but it's hard to get people to know their, their physical way they're sitting beside you. Just different things. I loved all that there. And... I sort of then moved more towards doing the mindfulness. So I started doing online courses with it. Um, didn't love doing it online as much, obviously, but um, I loved it more so than the coaching. So uh, I moved direction that way, more so from the coaching into the mindfulness. So then it was 2021 I came across. Um, I'm not sure if you know Louise Shanahar. No. She does the creative mindfulness for kids. And she's absolutely amazing. I came across her work. And I said, oh, this is what I want to do. So she teaches creative mindfulness for children. So I signed up for that course and that was just at the start of it. It was just amazing. My life just changed so much since I started doing that course. Um, so to date, I've completed the, the course would have taught me to be able to teach children four to 12 teenagers, preschool children, and then be able to run a mindful parenting course. So to date, I've done the children's mindfulness uh, for kids. So I can teach children four to 12. And now last week, I just finished qualified to the teenagers one. So I'm fully qualified now to teach those. And I absolutely love it. And it has just changed my life for the better. I, I just can't explain it. Louise is the most amazing teacher. Um, we sit five nights a week doing practices um, for two hours every week. We do webinars and the support of the Sangana is just amazing. And even so now in January there, I've just enrolled with Louise. She does another course. It's a level five certification in mindfulness teacher training. So I'm doing that there. But all I can say is that it has changed my life for the better. Um, just becoming so much more aware, self-aware even. And when I did the first mindfulness course, it was quite just about mindfulness and awareness. Whereas Louise, she teaches that, what does she say, talks about the two wings of the bird. So obviously you need two wings to fly. 
So the first wing would be knowing your awareness and your mindfulness. And then the second wing is all about self-compassion and kindness and being a friend to yourself. So we don't we need all of those things to be able, obviously, for the bird to fly. So that just really resonated with me so much. And we just delve so deeply into work and um, working on ourselves, first of all, so that we can, you know, authentically teach when we're teaching the children and teaching adults and that. We're coming from a place of we know we've done this, we're experiencing it, I'm living this life. And, you know, that's just how I came about. And I'm still doing it now and I'm teaching children and it's just absolutely amazing. It just brings my heart, fills it full of joy every day. Absolutely love it. If if everyone could just see, like, obviously I'm looking at a screen watching you and you are genuinely lit up talking about this. But I am excited that, like, mm-hmm. as a teacher, yeah. as a mindfulness teacher, yeah. watching your page, watching your page and seeing the creations, what you're doing in your children's class. And we will we will delve into that in a little bit. But I want to go back. Something that I, I'd love to know out of, out of curiosity at the very beginning, when you were practicing mindfulness at the very beginning, did you struggle with it? Did it come naturally to you? Did you enjoy it? Did you have to? I'm no, I struggled. Yeah, yeah. Did no, you? I did struggle with it because um, sometimes you thought of it maybe as a chore and, oh, I need to do this yes. anymore. I need to do it. And, you know, if, if it becomes a chore in your life, there's no point doing it. You know, mm-hmm. what I would say, just forget about it. You know, there's no point. Um, so if you want to get up in the morning and it's a calling for you to do it and um, back then when I did start it seven, eight years ago, it was hard to do it and try and establish a practice. But now as time has gone on, it's I couldn't live without it now, to be honest. It's just part and part of my day. And, you know, every day it's done and I couldn't honestly could not live without it again. And what was the changing point? When what was the moment? Did you realize the moment that you're like, oh, this isn't actually a chore. I'm I'm quite enjoying this this morning. Yes. I definitely would say that it was um, joining up with to do the, the mindfulness course with Louise because she concentrated more um, on ourselves rather than just teaching mindfulness to people that you know get into the practice every day and do this. And do it. it wasn't like that. It was more learning about ourselves, being more self-aware, giving ourselves self-compassion. And if you can't, if you don't have your own cup full at the start, you can't help anybody else. So the way she taught was that you know we had to fill our own cup look after ourselves. Self-love isn't being selfish. We need to take time for ourselves and all of those things. And I just, that just clicked with me. I was like, yeah, this is for me. I'm doing this for me. When I do this, I feel so much better. I have such a different outlook on things. And it was just then, it just clicked with me that, that yeah, wow, this is just not a chore. This is just now part and parcel of my life. And I absolutely love it. This is amazing that you were voicing those words because for anyone, so I released this morning an episode with a lady, Jacqueline Kelly, and obviously it's around the area of motherhood and being able to put ourselves, and this is only obviously a small fraction of the conversation, but being able to put ourselves first, that when we put ourselves first, you know, the in the way I voice it is that I'm a better everything, a better yes. mom, a better wife. Mm-hmm. And you were, you were voicing Absolutely. Our conversation today is is mirroring the conversation I had with Jacqueline. It's yeah. just it's fascinating. And I hope yeah. that someone that is listening to this conversation, that this is, you know, just 
that it's resonating with you, that yes. it is okay to put yourself first because Absolutely. then you can do everything else better. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And even when I'm teaching classes now, I would say to the ladies, I just finished an April course with the ladies group in our local community. And I would always be saying to them, you know, self-love, think of yourself. And then I would say to them, ladies, remember, even when we're on an airplane, did you always say, put your own oxygen mask on first? So if you can't help yourself first, you're not going to be able to help anybody else. So I always try and say that to people just to give them a reminder that, yes, we do need to put ourselves first and it's not selfish. And, you know, obviously there's things out there that are telling us to do these things. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I cannot agree with you more. So if you were to put mindfulness in your own words from your own experience, what would you say? Well, mindfulness to me now is being able to bring my attention just to the present moment, being in the here and now um, without any judgment. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't be feeling that. Um, And just being rather than doing. We're constantly doing, doing, doing. We're never being, just being in the moment. So I like to think of that as mindfulness is just being. Um, being able to be in the here and now and one of the biggest myths I find is you know people be saying oh when you're practicing mindfulness we're trying to you know clear our thoughts and things like that you know that's not true we're just like we have upwards of what 60,000 thoughts a day and it would just be impossible to, to try and get rid of those out of our mind and that is what our mind is there to do it's to think it's like our heart is there to beat our mind is there to think we can't stop it that is the way it is so we're just trying to observe our thoughts and rather than getting attached to them, you know, just catch them in the act and before you go down that spiral of da-da-da-da-da, you know, come back to the present moment, just do the here and now. You can do this even through different things, you know, your breathing senses, like think of five things, five colours, five things you can do, just things like that there. But yeah, it's just trying to be in the present moment without being judgmental towards yourself, thinking you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. Just and it's important to understand that isn't it because i think it's mindfulness has been it still is being portrayed as shutting down your thoughts as you say Mm -hmm. do you know not having any thoughts just being able to sit in silence and not think it's just not possible no absolutely not and i'm practicing you know meditation i don't know how long at this point i still have thoughts spiraling coming in and out bouncing everywhere that's normal and the fact then that you are aware that you're having those thoughts is mindfulness in itself because you're saying oh i've got all these thoughts now but you're aware that you're having those thoughts so that is practicing mindfulness people think it's wrong shouldn't be having these thoughts you shouldn't be thinking that but absolutely not. The thoughts aren't going to go away. We just have to observe them and try and bring ourselves back into the present moment. So true. So true. <laughs> Before we talk about mindfulness in children, for obviously the adults listening, where would you get someone to start? Where do you think is the best? If someone is interested, they're intrigued yeah. by mindfulness, they're not you know, entirely sure where to start yes. or what exactly it's about. Yeah. Oh, say? absolutely. I know you're thinking him and a hand, maybe a bit start. I'm just like, do it. Even look, you know, on the internet, there's a lot of things now people are, are 
you know, we introduction to mindfulness courses and things like that. You know, free courses. Maybe people mightn't have a lot of money to spend on things like that. Some people, you know, think it's a waste of money and different things, and it's quite airy fairy, and you know the different things. There's always judgments about it, so they're not going to change with people. But if you are thinking about delving into it, I would look um into just even you know the likes of like insight timer and things that have meditations on them just go in and do even one that's two or three minutes long see how you feel and you can progress then a minute longer every day look on even facebook and things for people to be doing the free introductory courses to mindfulness and a lot of people are even just you know doing general mindfulness courses eight weeks or four weeks and delve into it because you will not regret it it is the best thing you will ever do um, it just changes your life, changes your relationships, your work life, family, everything. It's just absolutely amazing. I just could advocate for it all day long. Um, if you were thinking about it, absolutely delve in. Do a wee bit of research on the internet. There's so much out there available nowadays. It's free to everybody. Um, even in your local library, go in maybe get out a book. Um, if there was any just introduction to mindfulness, and just ease yourself into it. Because as you know, you can go very deep with the subject. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just start out doing that there. And I think once you get into it, start reading the book or anything, you'll just be hooked on it. Absolutely. I think people are going to finish off this episode and go straight, straight to sign up. <laughs> you are selling this <laughs> so well. Oh, oh, I know. It's and it's so... A it lights you up you can like it I'm going mm -hmm. saying the same thing again you can clearly oh, see that yeah. um it's interesting what you were what you're saying because and I say this in my in my workshops myself that you know there's still a lot of association with mindfulness as being woo woo airy oh, fairy and what I started doing towards the end of last year with my workshops, I actually started it off with what I call the quote unquote heavy stuff. So in other words, the science stuff, yes. whereas I used to gently ease people in and then yeah. halfway because, you know, it's 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 it is a heavier topic and you do have to concentrate. Yes. But what I have realized is that I have people drawn into the workshop on a, on a, um, at a quicker pace. When yeah. I start the conversation, yes. when I start the workshop off talking about the science side of things, yes, because absolutely. people are like, oh, OK, there's actually facts yes. to this. There's it's research and so much out there. And yeah. yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So, yeah, that would get people. And I yeah. just would voice that, you know, for anyone that's listening that, you know, is hesitating because they may think that it is a bit airy fairy yes. that again you're talking about you know research on the internet getting a book out of the library do mm -hmm. that and try and see it from the science side point of view that absolutely and I think a big it. thing because um, we live in Ireland you know the schools be quite maybe religious and things mm -hmm. I don't a lot of them don't want it in the schools because they think it's religious but it's not at all it's the way we teach it it's secular it's totally research and science based that's what we're basing it on. It's not connected to any religion or anything. So some people have those hang-ups about it as well. And it is hard to try. And I have contacted a few schools and I found it very hard to get in to schools. Um, maybe just not the fact of the religion side of it, but just maybe the airy-fairy side of it as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure that people are as dedicated to doing putting money and resources into that as maybe, you know, into children's football and, and camogie, different things like that. I just find it hasn't got to that stage yet where it's included as important, mm -hmm. but we will get there. 
And that's the thing. If we were to have, if we were to have this conversation in, you know, four or five years time, I think we will, you know, we are moving forward. It is at a slow pace. And I remember, I remember having this conversation with my tutor when I was training for that reason, because I've heard the conversations that people, you know, are associating mindfulness with religion. And as she said, and I'll never forget these words, that mindfulness is a practice that changes the structure of your brain. And I just that's word for word what she said. And that's what I say to people when those conversations come up that just park aside what you believe we we practice the thing is and you know if we're talking about Ireland and you know a number of schools obviously a lot of our schools being you know from the religious aspect that we're practicing it in every religion in our own yeah. way yeah you know it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah. um but yeah I just I I always remember that but like I said we'll yeah. have this conversation in five years time and see and see the difference okay talk Talk to me about the Creative Calm Club. I want to know more about this. Okay. So I obviously started out as mind coach Laura and I was doing the coaching and just mindfulness classes for adults. And then I um, obviously got into more doing the course with the Creative Mindfulness. So it was, I think it was the 9th of March last year that I um, introduced my creative camp club because I was starting out to do the children's classes um, as part of my case studies for my course. So I says, I'm going to introduce this. Mine coach Laura didn't really grab me as I thought, you know, children maybe wouldn't engage as much with that. So um, that's how the creative camp club was born. Um, 9th March will be coming up till our year anniversary now. And it has been absolutely amazing since I started it. So um, I've been teaching children um, four to 12, as I said to you, and with our classes, it would entail us doing children coming in. And obviously there's a group of children that maybe they don't know each other and um, with a wee bit of, you know, getting to know each other and just wee practices. Maybe we have a, like a wee talking stick or our monkey mind, teddy bear, pass him around and somebody can say something good about themselves and stuff. So we're just learning children um, how to calm and relax their minds. And so they're able to focus and pay attention to things and be able to understand and express their emotions because it's hard for children, you know, they don't know what feelings and emotions are and they don't know how to portray them or what to think of them. And maybe they're afraid to say to adults or people about them. And, you know, it's hard for them because they're so small and emotions can be so big and, you know, they can take over their whole body and, you know, it can be scary for them. So we're trying to teach them that, you know, emotions and feelings are okay. Even the bad ones, you know, no emotion is bad. I'm not saying that, but, you know, when you're sad or you're angry, we just have to befriend that emotion and it's there and it's only visiting us. It'll be there for a while, but it will go. And it's like happiness. It's here for a while and it goes. It's like all the different emotions. So we build that into the classes. So we do it through different like creativity and doing things. Um, out of different classes, we have like the mind chart. So we do that with the children, just about learning about the mindfulness of breath. And we make the mind jars, just a jar of water and glitter. And um, we put in all the memory beads of like a nice time they had summer, maybe they went on holidays, just lovely things. And all the glitter, maybe they're happy glitter, sad glitter, just all the different emotions and feelings that we would feel on a daily basis. 
So we do that there maybe in our first session to get to know everybody. And then the children will take that home with them. So we practice that then, you know, shake, shake, shake our jar up. Oh, this is our mind. It's so, so busy. And then um, we practice maybe our mindfulness of breath. So we set the jar down. We do a bit, a bit of a hot chocolate breathing or flower breathing, just something that the children would enjoy. And then we look at our jar and say, oh, what has happened to our jar? Oh, it's got all calm and clear, just like our mind is after we practice this lovely hot chocolate breathing or the flower. So we do that in the class and then we do like arts, crafts and um, stories. We always have a wee story as well and a meditation for the children. They absolutely love doing the meditations. I was so surprised by that. I didn't think they would have wanted to lie and did, but they do. They lie down and get their blankets open and it's just so lovely. So they do that and then we do visualizations and obviously then we discussions just if they want to share. Some of the children don't want to share, which is absolutely fine. There's no pressure put on anybody. You can participate as much as you want. But um, yeah, I just love it. And the very first class that I done, I was so nervous. And one of the mommies texted me that night and just said, um, so-and-so says, um, can I go back to that lady every Monday? And I just was like, that was it. I just thought, wow, I have found my calling. This is just Aww. amazing. And just when you get messages like that, it just fills your heart with joy. And you just think, oh, I'm doing something so simple here with children, you know, and it means so much to them. And I just thought, this just needs to be rolled out across the world. And even it's so hard to get it. You know, it is so hard. But I was reading there, um, the Dalai Lama had said that if every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, that we will eliminate violence in the world within one generation. Like, that is just yeah. so powerful. And when I read that, I just was like mind blown because I thought if we could get this into every school, sowing the seeds of mindfulness in children at an early age their lives will just be so different like oh I just it just amazes me how much of a difference it can make to children's lives and there's just not enough awareness about it and people don't realize the impact that it can have on children but obviously we're trying to get out there and Louise is fabulous she does run free workshops and gives out even this week is children's mental health week and she's given one of her courses for free, an introduction to children's mindfulness for anybody that wants to avail of it, just to get a wee introduction, you know, even for yourself that have maybe just children at home to do it, not even going into schools and mm -hmm. teaching, just for your own personal reasons and background. But it's just things like that. And it's just to try and get it just spread out over the world. I know it sounds so all out there, but I just think if we could get this done, it would just be absolutely amazing. It's so true, though, Laura, I know a child and they are receiving, um, how to say, I'm going to say extra help, um, extra resources in their school. Mm -hmm. And it is a well-being program and it is very much so mindfulness based. And the difference in that child, yeah. I can and I know, I know being a mindfulness teacher, it is because of that yeah. well-being program that Absolutely. that child is excelling months later this isn't a case of that he that you know th that he's doing this for the last number of years yeah. in the space of a number of months they're just they're excelling so oh, I am with you that it is, yes. as you said, trying to roll this out yeah. to to get this into schools. Can mm -hmm. I ask you, mm -hmm. and I, I again, I'm, I'm going to assume here that the parents that are bringing their children, that 
they're obviously open to mindfulness. Is it a case of that? Is it the children? Is it sheer curiosity? Is it an after school club that they want to get their kids in? Or is there specific reasons that they feel that their child is anxious or, you know, can't seem to regulate their emotions? Yes. Or is it an overall (laughs) balance of it all? I find a lot of the children, I've started now working with some charities um, in my local area and um, it's sort of an intervention that I'm doing with them because, you know, the likes of CAMS and stuff, like the waiting lists are like two years long at least. And, you know, that's not helping children. They're not getting to see anybody. So I'm sort of interventing in the middle of it and trying to do like mindfulness classes. So I'm sort of bridging the gap, if you want to say, between them needing the help and then I'm trying to, you know, help them with mindfulness and things about reducing their anxiety and different things until they get to see the professionals, as they say. But I find so many of the children presenting with anxiety, worry. That's the majority of what, you know, people that come to the classes. And I actually be so amazed and proud of parents for sending their children and being aware that their children are suffering from anxiety. Like children as young as four and five, you know, and that's scary to me to think that children at that age are worrying and, and stressing and being anxious. And they should just be children and you know they shouldn't be worrying about anything. But I do I give I give praise to the parents that do be aware of the children that need an extra bit of help and that they're willing to send them to classes and yeah, I do find that it is all anxiety related with children now and just trying to let them be children and, you know, they grow up far too quick and it's very hard on them now. And I find even even when I'm teaching like the teenagers and stuff, like social media and stuff, yes, it can be a wonderful, wonderful thing, but it also can be so, so detriment to children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially teenagers, I find they're very stuck to their phone and they're not very willing to communicate or, or talk with other and their heads are dying. You know, it's just quite sad to see it. And I find that coming to these sort of classes really can help them. It's the nudge to get them there can be the hard part. Um, they don't want to come probably, or that's not cool going to do that, you know, rather go and play the football or whatever. But um yeah, I find if you can get them to a class at any age, because when they say like when they turn eight, then their inner, inner critic starts, eight or nine, which is so sad because they're still so young. So if you can get them mindfulness at any age as a child, it's just sowing the seeds of it and it's just would be amazing for them. They'll be able to look after themselves so much better, be able to build up a toolkit of techniques that they can live with keep with them all the time and be able to use whenever they're feeling stressed and anxious, even little exercise that we do, like, you know, take five deep breaths, doing our hot chocolate breathing, just mindfulness of the senses. Can you see five yellow things? Can you touch three things? Just anything, just to bring them into the present moment. Mm -hmm. So the more we can get that in, the earlier with children, the better it will be. Absolutely. So at the moment, how... How do you find that you you work with teenagers, the ones that, as you say, that may not want to be there, that have their heads yeah. looking at a phone? Yes. Does it take a while or? Yeah, it's hard. They don't all want to engage and that's fine. You don't want to be pushing them, but you don't also want them to be sitting there, you know, doing nothing as well. 
So when we're doing like teenage classes, we would try to see maybe what they're interested in. You know, are they interested maybe in sports people? And I know a lot of like the young fellas would be into like Ronaldo and Messi and those sort of people. And there is research in that to say, you know, they do practice mindfulness and stuff. So if you can incorporate in something that the child is interested in with the mindfulness, then it doesn't become a task or a chore to them. So if you're saying, Oh, well, I know Ronaldo practices and we have, I've got the research and stuff on it, but I don't have it to hand. Whatever he's doing before he goes on to play a match, what he does, and to, to just, it just flips the switch with them and they just, oh, their ears perk up and they just want to listen. So whenever you're able to relate it to something that they're interested in, I find then they are a lot more willing to open up and be part of the class. So it is all just trying to get to know the teenager getting to know what they like and trying to incorporate it around what they're interested in. And then, yeah, then you get them and then that's when you can start to get the work going. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So let's say we have, if it be a parent or a teacher or maybe a principal of a school that's listening to this episode and they're intrigued by what we are talking about. And what is it that you would say to those people to try and if it be get to get mindfulness classes into their school or if it be for the the parent to research mindfulness classes in their area but they're just if they're thinking of the religion aspect of it or the woo-woo side of it they're a little bit hesitant in it what would you say to them think of your child put all those myths and things to the side and just put your child at the forefront what are their needs? Are they suffering with anxiety? Are they a worrier? Do they be stressed? You know, are their emotions heightened a lot of the time? Do they have anger issues? All those sort of things. And I would look at the research of it and how beneficial it is to children. And even, as you said, the likes of teachers and stuff. I know um, that schools do get funding for like well-being projects and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things going on and maybe the money does get sucked up into other things. I understand that totally. But do try and research. I know when we're doing this class, there's over 1,500 of us teaching to do this. That is a lot of people doing this class. So even the likes of schools and stuff, I know a lot of people in my class have reached out to schools and got no response or no reply and different things. So as you said, if a teacher was listening or was thinking about incorporating these classes into their school, even part of their curriculum and all, because it does benefit everybody, that definitely, definitely reach out and put out posts on Facebook and things. Schools all use social media nowadays that you're interested maybe in bringing in. Um, if they don't want to incorporate it, maybe during the school day, after school clubs is a good way to start and try and get the children interested. Um, see if somebody would like to come in and teach, you know, one day a week to see how it goes, see how the interest goes, the children. I know there isn't any bad or negative reviews from children going to mindfulness classes, especially the way that we're doing it, where it's creative. You're doing art, you're bringing it into a lot of things. The children are interested. It's not just sitting reading off a board, da, 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 you know, no interest in that. Stories and art, visualizations, ch- things that children love, relating it to what they like doing. And that's the way to start. Just start thinking of your child, what are their needs? And even with parents, just look in the local community centers, they all have boards up of what's going on, different classes and things. And I know there's a lot of ladies and even gentlemen doing art courses 
that are out there looking for working classes to do. So check out social media, check out local, you know, your local, like, um, we have like Invest NI and different things here, but there's like Leo and things down south as well. So even the likes of all those, they could be posting that free information about, you know, people that have done courses with them that are running classes and things. Also, there is so much information out there. If you just really, really look into it and research, it depends how badly you want it. And if it's for your child, you're going to fight for it. So you're going to go out there and look and try and help them to the best of your ability. And can I just add that for anyone that maybe, again, if you're a parent or a teacher or a principal, to look on Laura's social media page because oh, it like honestly Laura it just you know what you're putting up in your pictures it looks the classes just look so just yeah. so beautiful and creative and bright and happy yeah. and mm-hmm. just intriguing and I and yeah. I genuinely genuinely mean that yeah Thank okay you. I'd love to know what are your wishes or what are your plans for the creative Cam club for the future Oh, I have so many. <laughs> I do have broke down. I list right down all the time all the things I'd be thinking of. But first and foremost, um, yeah, I would just love to get it into schools. And obviously, like I'm a one man band, so that's gonna be very, very hard. But um I think even if you get into one or two schools and you know, just let it flow and word of mouth and things like that there. And I know we have a lot of, of creative mindfulness teachers. And, um, you know, obviously there's a vast area to be covered in Ireland. I know that, but we could get it done. And I know that it's so, so important. And as I keep saying, if we can sow the seed of mindfulness in children at a young age, it will just change their lives forever. So if we could get that done. So I, my mind is whirling. I'm thinking of like wellness hubs and things, all these things that I can be doing and just bringing in children for classes and doing um. My mind just is wandering <laughs> all the time. So I do be writing all these things down and thinking, I'll get there, I will get there. You will get yeah. there. But you it takes time there. and a lot, a lot of hard work as well. But it's all worth it. When you're doing something you love, you never work a day in your life. You can see that. Laura Keenan, thank you so much, number one, for taking the time to talk to me today. Number two, for bringing your energy, not only to this conversation, but I can say with confidence to your work you you truly love what you do I wish you all the best I just as I will continue following you on social media to see where the creative cam club goes but thank you so much for what you do thanks Celine thanks for having me